What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am your host, Brett McGrath. I am fired up to share this conversation with you. I am joined by Nicole Kahansky of HyperContext. We are talking about a topic that goes on in my head a lot, but have not talked about it with another individual, and that is content marketing being the secret weapon for retention. How are we building content that impacts our customers and our customers wanting to stay with us and our brands for the long run. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a friend that you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Excited about this topic. Today, we are going to be digging into content marketing as a secret weapon for retention. This is a um, something that I've been thinking a lot about, um, but my guests and I were, were chatting and said, like, I think this would be good to dive into. I'm joined by Nicole Kahansky, who is a senior content marketing manager at HyperContext. Excited to dive in. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to be here and chatting with you. Yes, this is going to be super fun. Definitely familiar, but want to make sure our listeners are familiar before we dive into just the uh, the, the topic. Maybe brief our audience on hypercontext, uh, who you guys are, what, what you do, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, hypercontext is a, essentially a tool to help managers lead their teams better, and it does that through um, meeting agendas, collaborative meeting agendas, notes, uh, next steps, and goals. So we think of meetings as a place, and it is a place where managers exchange information, make their decisions, and really run everything that they do, whether we think about it that way or not, that is where we're communicating. And so we think meetings should be more than just a time in your calendar. They should have what you're talking about. They should be where you're documenting your notes, where you're keeping everyone accountable to their next steps, um, and where you're keeping track of those quarterly goals that maybe you're only opening once a quarter. That's kind of standard. But why aren't we looking at them every time we talk about what we're doing each week to stay on track and actually hit them. I love it. Also really good content too, good templates, all that stuff. My <laughs> first exposure was Typer Context, which I think probably a testament to some of your work was uh, via social media, stumbling upon uh, some content, reading it, and then just digging in. So I think probably a good setup piece for uh, the conversation today on content marketing as a secret weapon for retention. Maybe where, where we start, I think uh, most of us think about content marketing and content marketing our roles from a new business perspective. Um, you know, we're, we're creating these pieces to get in front of people that we want to know, want to know our brand exists. And we use that to nurture them and then eventually have them do the things we want them to do. Talk to our sales team, become customers. The rest is history. But I think not a lot of us are talking about content marketing in terms of CS and retention. Maybe, I guess, from, from your perspective, like how do you think content and the work that you're doing can fit into that CS function, thinking about retention, thinking about those customer conversations? Yeah, I think content should support 
whatever your product is doing. And if you're thinking of your customers when you're creating content, you're automatically what's going to follow you, follow that is value. If you're always thinking like this is will this help a customer? You're thinking of a person as your end user and not, you know, Google as we sometimes do. And then automatically you're going to be helping um, not only your customers, but everyone. But if, if that's your intention, we like at HyperContext, our content's really intertwined uh, with the app. So for example, maybe this is what you found us through, but we have agenda, a library of agenda templates and goal examples. And those are on our marketing website. So people can find them and they're like a really big piece of content for us. They're also in the app. So they are part of the value that we're providing to customers in that we're helping reduce their mental load. Like when they go into the app, they're able to just pull a template. So it's actually usable. It's actually providing value in app and out of app. And so it really like goes hand in hand with the product and it's part of the value that the product is offering. It's like supporting what the product is doing. I love it. So one thing I want to hit on that you mentioned um, that I think we're all looking for and trying to find the balance is this idea of creating content and writing or putting keywords in it in a way that appeases the machines that we're writing for, i.e. Google search rankings. When people ask questions, we want our stuff to pop up. And then there's this idea of creating good content that resonates with a customer that they find helpful, that they can turn to, that they can put in their Slack channel and share with other teammates. And I think we're all kind of trying to find this balance between like, what do we do for Google? What do we do for our customers? How does it all work together? How how are you thinking about that as you approach your role at HyperContext? That's like a huge challenge for me too, finding that balance between, because obviously if you're writing content, you want people to find it. And part of that uncovering process for people is Google, right? You want it to pop up. I'm really lucky in that I've kind of been set up well by the amazing content marketers that came before me at HyperContext. They created such good content that is like ranking really well on Google and has made our website SEO just really good. And that's given me the opportunity to go work on other things and think um, at least temporarily a little bit less about that because I know that we have content that's already doing work for us. So I think it depends on what your goals are. But regardless of whether you're writing for a keyword or whether you're writing for, I guess, customers or more bottom of funnel, I think that, or I know that you want to provide value. And sometimes it's just easy to get wrapped up of when you put your, you know, your copy into whatever, if you're using a tool um, that helps you optimize for SEO, it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, I need to add this word. I need to add this word. Um, But I think that, and what I found that if you're, if you are providing value, the traffic will follow. And that that's kind of worked for me. I think I was telling you a little bit about Um, One of the blog posts we wrote, it's a roundup of sales templates. It's like 16 sales templates. We spent a lot of time gathering or figuring out the operating cadence of salespeople. Like what internal meetings are they having and what templates are going to be helpful for them to run their week? Um, We spent so much time on it. 
probably more time than most people would recommend spending on a piece of content, but we really wanted it to be useful and to be tried and true. Like we wanted to talk to people who were using these meetings and and figure out what they were using and, and really like include insights from people. So it took us a really long time to make. And I actually did not think too much about keywords because I didn't want it to get in the way of it being to the point providing value. And more recently, we've seen it start to, we published it in June and more recently, we've started to see it rank on Google. I don't even, I don't think I have a keyword for it, (laughs) but it's being found because I think it's providing value. And I think that it, that will typically follow. Obviously there has to be some SEO optimization and you, you do have to think about that, but I normally lean a little bit more towards writing for people. And if I'm not sure whether to include something that's going to be good for that will be good for SEO, then I just don't. Like if it doesn't make sense to me as a person, then I don't do it. Um, And that's where I lean towards, but there's definitely a balance. I think a lot of what you said, people out there listening are all aspiring to hit that level where it's, I want to write for people. I want to tell stories. I want to create content that's valuable. I want what I'm saying to resonate with someone. But maybe some of us aren't as fortunate as you where you're walking in and the people before you have built this SEO you know, machine that's happening and it allows you to have some flexibility in the way you're thinking about the way you approach content. I, I guess like, do you... Like when is, when do you think that moment is? And I'm, I know it, it it changes for everybody, but just for, for your business and your role, when, what, like what is happening with, with existing content and SEO that gives you the indicators that say, okay, I can, I can add more value. I can be more of a human when I'm writing this. Like what, what are those things that you're looking at on the SEO side that gives you the kind of green light to create, spend, invest the time in a content piece like the, you know, six, 16 uh, templates that piece that you were just talking about? Yeah. I think important to note about that piece, I was doing other things. <laughs> you know, I didn't spend three months only writing that, but took the time before it was published. We've been, for the last few months, really focused on bringing in the right traffic. And I think that that's, that kind of goes hand in hand with focusing on providing value. I mean, our stuff before that was providing value, but really getting more specific on the who our ideal customer profile is and trying to provide value to those people. And just by way of like that being our goal, getting in the right traffic rather than, cause we, we do have good quantity in terms of our traffic. And then, so our goal kind of shifted to, okay, we have the quantity. How do we make sure we're getting the right people and the right people that are going to be interested in our app and sign up. And it's so hard to like separate because it, it really does go hand in hand. Like, so providing value, uh, you're going to, to the, to specific people, you're going to bring in the right people. And when you're writing for Google and the algorithms, you're going to bring in more people, right? So it's, it's that, it's the balance, it's the balance of 
writing being more human and having that hit with fewer but higher quality as opposed to writing for SEO and machines where the volume is coming in, but it might not be the people who are eventually going to buy or use your hyper context, right? Yes. Thank you. Exactly. So yeah, it's it was just really a focus on quality that has led us to spending more time on maybe less pieces that will ultimately also by bringing in those right people, it should also be helpful to the customers that we already have. So I love, it's double. I love it. The, uh, having that, uh, I think the quantity versus quality conversation is, I feel like it's coming up more and more, which is really, really good. I think maybe to give the go ahead and the green light to focus more on quality, less, but better. It probably like involves leadership at some level to understand like, okay, this old way that we're tracking things is changing. And um, this is why it's changing. Um, Is that, how is that, how does that happen? I guess at hyper context, Um, because the shift as I'm talking to a lot of marketers is really hard. Like people know they need to do this, but it's really hard to get a, get a, um, out of old habits where you're tracking quantity based metrics month over month, quarter over quarter. Yeah. So the question is how to get, get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is tough. You definitely have to have leadership buy into that for me, how I've approached it is going quarter by quarter. So it's not like, oh, we are just going to shift and this is our new approach. It's let's try this for one quarter and see what the results are. So we're going to maybe focus less on the blog and more on templates or um, less on more evergreen content and more on really specific ICP focused content. And we're going to just try it. Or maybe that's one of your goals for three months but having the flexibility to, if we're not seeing results from that, we're going to reevaluate and we can shift, but like, let's just try this, especially if you're finding like, great, we have quantity coming to our blog, but is it translating to conversions? Is it translating to customers? If it's not, then that's a case to try something new. Um, And I think that's probably the best situation to suggest or pitch that you do less and focus more on quality and just see how it goes. I think if you pitch it like this is not forever, it's just like, it's a test. I think it's a bit easier to approach that. What are the things, or I guess what happens or what are the things, yeah, what are the things going on when um, you know what you're doing from a content perspective that is, is going right. Like what are the signals that mm-hmm. you're seeing in your, the work that you're doing that confirm the strategy and the direction that you're pushing your content? So it, I think we know that content takes time. So it is tricky because you're not going to see it right away. And that is the hard part. You're kind of, you're placing a bet. You're saying like, this is what you can't do everything. I I, I'm a one person team right now. So I have to focus in on like very specific things and I'm placing a bet. Essentially. I don't, I don't know for sure. And I think some of the early indicators that content is performing well is qualitative feedback. Like if you're getting feedback from people that it's good, then hopefully that's a leading indicator that it, that more than just those people who are telling you think it's good is good. 
think it's good and it will lead to more traffic down the line. I think traffic, like if you're starting to see traffic rise on it, I mean, on the, on the topic of retention, if customers are giving you that feedback, I think that's really positive. That's like probably the highest value feedback because those are the people using your product. And then that means that it's obviously resonating with the people that you want it to resonate with. But it's honestly tough. There's no silver bullet. And I, I don't know that I don't really know the answer to that. We have, we're definitely have had situations where the end of the quarter comes and we're like, is this right? Like, is this the right approach? We don't see the su- success of it yet. Like some some early signs of success, like what I was saying, feedback or traffic, or there's some conversions, or we send it out through our email and people click through to it, but you kind of have to place another bet then. Like, does this just need more time or should we just call it? So I think it's like, it's very dependent on the situation you're in and it's very dependent on how strongly you believe something's going to work. Totally. Kind of coming back to the the retention piece. And I I often find in these conversations, like some of the most interesting insight are the things that mar- we do as marketers that are just routine and things we don't even think about, but just happen regularly. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. interested based on the way you're all set up at hyper context. Like you create a new piece of content. Like what is the process for that piece of content to like get activated from like customer success to customer? Like, how does it all work? Mm. So actually what's great, uh, we have a small team. So I actually talk to sales and customer success every day. So they're very in the loop of what I'm doing and I'm very in the loop of what they're doing, which is really helpful in terms of getting that content to our customers or thinking of ideas for new content or what people are interested in. In terms of activation, I'll give you an example with our one of our more recent series of content. It's called manager mailbag. So people, managers submit anonymous questions, and then we choose a few questions. We film a video on it, and then we publish the video on YouTube. From there, our main distribution channel is email. So we send out an email once a month with the new episode, and then we use social to help promote it and drive people to YouTube. And then throughout the month, we're taking pieces of that video and republishing them in shorter clips, um, using them for social, and then finding blog posts to put the videos in to help with the SEO of those blog posts. So trying to recycle the content as much as possible. And then also our sales and customer success team can use those standalone videos, like the one question at a time when they get questions like that. Or if, if they're talking to someone who's having that challenge, they can use that content as well and, and are very much in the loop on what content is available and new um, because we're talking so often. Distribution is one of my favorite topics on this show. Has content distribution just been always how you and hyper context have rolled when you create piece? It's okay. How do we maximize this piece in as many areas as possible? Or is that like something new that you all have adopted kind of over the course of your time? I think because I'm one person, it's like, okay, if we're going to spend time on content, how are we going to make the most out of this content? So I also find distribution really interesting because it's challenging and it's like, it's so important, but we forget about it. And I'm guilty of that too. It's like, I worked so hard on this piece. 
it's finally done. I need to move on to the next thing, but actually your job's only 50% over. (laughs) And then you're like, oh wait, this is, I'm not done with this. But we did a big report at the beginning of the year. And the purpose of it was to be like a cornerstone piece of content. I had heard a lot about how successful reports can be and spoken to people who just like believe in them so strongly. So really wanted to try it and see what the value, what value it would bring. So we worked really hard on this huge report. Um, and it's every single, almost every single piece of content we've published this year has included insights from that report and then linked back to it. And we have also published a spinoff report from it. And we're in the middle of publishing or putting together another spinoff report from it. And so it's kind of like the content that just keeps giving. And we do try and do that in a lot of things like repurpose, 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 or like not repurpose, but like pull interesting tidbits or things we learn from one piece of content to the next. Ideally in an ideal world, even with the manager mailbag series I was mentioning, we would probably write like a blog post for each question really to get the most out of, out of that content, but time, you know, totally. that's, that's totally. the biggest challenge. I feel like I, I, I feel like I talk about content distribution every day and I'm still trying to work to get good at it. So I think that's a, there's a future role out there in the marketing department solely dedicated to distribution and maximizing the use of the work that we're all doing. A hundred percent. And like, we actually stopped, I feel like social is a very standard distribution channel. And sometimes it's difficult because it feels like you're just yelling into a void, you know, and it has to be so much more than distribution too. So yeah, there's a lot of challenges with it. I think it's, it's something that I, I do think about a lot and, and find challenging. We covered a lot of ground here. I want to make sure that we talked about distribution, aligning with sales and CS, uh, creating content that's valuable, um, that's not just packed for with a bunch of keywords. So covered a lot of ground, a lot of good insights. Maybe for anyone listening who feels like they might be stuck in that kind of content factory mode of just publishing, 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 what sort of advice do you have for anyone out there who might be listening to this episode who wants to kind of break free of it and wants to be more focused on creating content um, that can help customers and customer retention? I think a few things. And um, I'm always cautious here because when I first started in content marketing, I just got so much advice, you know, like you see so much conflicting advice, like totally. Every blog post needs 10 backlinks. You should write one blog post today. You should speak to customers. You should like so many things and they all have merit and just really depends on what your goals are. Um, And I've just found that over time, focusing on quality is just what makes sense to me. And I think also where hyper context is at. So I kind of took everything with a grain of salt, but I do think, okay, I'm going to give this piece of advice and I actually don't do it. So this is bad. (laughs) I love it. Um, Talking to customers is really important to understand where you want to provide value. Like what should you be writing about that will align with your product and will align also with the positioning of your product. Like if you're writing about random stuff, just to get traffic, people are like, well, what, what is this 
product, right? So content helps support the positioning of your product. Um, So talking to customers, figuring out their challenges, why they're using your product will help you create good content. For me, I, I actually don't talk to customers as much as I should. I do talk to sales and customer success every day though. So I do feel very tuned into it. And then I think also like what we were talking about before, getting buy-in from your manager or your leadership to focus on that. So you're not, it's not a stressful thing to you that you're focusing on one thing and not able to get out the quantity you were getting out before, making it clear what your intentions are with it and when you're going to pause and reevaluate and decide whether you want to carry on with that approach or not. But I do think regardless of that, even if you're writing, no matter what the purpose is of the content that you're putting together, ultimately, if you're providing value, I really truly believe that the rest will follow. So you can write for, you can write, I mean, I guess it's just hard to write high, high, high quantity and be providing value because you're likely then just turning it out. I couldn't agree more. Tons of, uh, good stuff in this one nicole thanks so much for coming on sharing your insights everybody go check out hyper context go check out their blog we'll have to talk to you again soon appreciate it thanks so much had so much fun talking with nicole love what they're doing at hyper context go check them out you take care of yourself we will be back More Modern Day Marketer next week, always. Peace out.